and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. Lucy, the nice weather's continuing in our gardens and I know we've been hard at work. I know you've been mulching this week. I'm trying to get on top of the mowing. But again, we've had some sort of bad news stories about our industry. Um, I'm sure anyone in the UK horticultural industry would have seen the stories yesterday uh, from uh, one of our trade bodies, the Horticultural Trades Association, the HTA, and one of our uh, most famous celebrities, Alan Titchmarsh, coming out and trying to uh, emphasise that especially the growing industry and the nursery industry side, is really going through dire straits. A lot of them rely on this time of year to sell most of the plants and make most of the money that they would make for the whole year. And as they can't sell them, they can't move them, therefore they can't propagate new plants, they're really going through a hard time. They are. I know. I was reading the reports myself and feeling incredibly sorry for people in that sector because... um, as you say, spring for, for the for the gardening calendar is the planting time and all these nurseries and garden centres will have got their stock in and ordered eons ago in preparation for, say, the Easter weekend, which is obviously the busiest gardening weekend of the calendar. And, and now they are really, really struggling. And I think just the falling back and saying, oh, well, you know, they need to rely on mail order is is not going to get all of them out of a fix. It's 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 something that is has not been set in place. It's going to take mm. time to get organised. And I think the percentage of people, you know, with, with, with the best will in the world, the percentage of people then thinking, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do mail order. But then actually clicking that button and making those orders yeah. is not really going to be sufficient to get them out of the pickle that they're in. So, yeah, our, again, our thoughts are really with you guys. Absolutely, you know if you can if you can mail order, please do that. But please remember, and I think Alan uh, Titchmar said this most importantly: this could really affect our gardens, our public spaces, all the way up from the big gardens at the National Trust, all the way down to your small community gardens for many years to come. So it's, it's, you know, we're we're in dire straits and it's sad to think, but fingers crossed we can pull through it. This whole thing will blow over soon enough where we can get back to growing, planting and enjoying our gardens again. Yeah, here is to that, definitely, definitely. Anyway, uh, the main part of the podcast is, and it's sort of semi-related to what we're saying about the mail order, and uh, that even though we're having a hard time, the actual... Um, Gardening in our psyche, uh, especially those people that are stuck at home, is on the up. And apparently, grow your own uh, is a massive, massive thing at the moment. It is, yeah, yeah. Which is, is for me, being a daughter of smallholders and and being very passionate about growing my own fruit and veggies, is um, again, it's a silver lining to the to those clouds. I do think that people such as, as we mentioned, the the plant nurseries are struggling. But uh, on the flip side, the mail order 
seed companies and people selling plants, uh, vegetable plants, for example, um, their business is really, uh, really rocketing for them. And um, as I say, we're, 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 you know, it's encouraging that people are looking to growing their own food. Um, we, we want to discuss that because we think that as exciting as it is, we want to um, just provide a dollop of real life to the situation. I think that's yeah. what we want to do because um, we've both been talking about this off air and we're, we're concerned that uh, new gardeners in particular who think this might be the the way out of the the, the the muddle situation for our food security I think that you know within a few weeks or so they can be producing lovely plates of food for the kitchen we just want to say well that would be ideal but really uh, it's probably not going to happen but there are things that can be done we're not going to be negative about it but it's just being I think realistic that's what we, we yeah. don't we don't want people to be disappointed because growing your own you need to go into it for, for for good reason and it's it's a lot of effort it's very satisfying but we don't want a whole lot of people going into the grow your own movement and then within a few weeks or months or so being a bit deflated about it that's that's not the that's not the way we want the grow your own movement to to evolve yeah, I, I think I'm just trying to remember like the timeline of my career. Grow Your Own became quite fashionable. I think roughly ten years, something like ten, fifteen years ago, there was this there was this sudden uh, upsurge of people who wanted to either get allotments or started to grow their own food in their back gardens. I think it was about uh, the time so when I started editing Grow Your Own magazine. I think that's was what it. it that's, so no, I'm joking. Was that about 10, <laughs> it was, 10, 15 it was years about, ago? It was about 10, 15 years ago, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All down to you, of course, Lucy. Well, anyway, yeah, I'm not going to say that. I, I, I just thinking, yeah, it got very popular and it sort of has um, sort of simmered at that same sort of popularity and obviously now people are very mindful of uh, food security and all that and it's yes. become very popular again but one of the things that ha that I do remember happening during that time and and trying to look at it from um um the point of view of, of of someone who who wasn't into grow your own back then is that a lot of the companies a lot of the bigger companies latched onto it mm. as a way of um marketing uh, a lot of products um a lot of plants a lot of ways of doing things that were meant to make it easier and i must say i've only really come into uh vegetable growing myself in the last since i started at stonelands because we have this large vegetable garden i had a little bit of training back at kew we had these uh student plots that we had to do but it wasn't really um doing it for self sufficiency reasons but ever since i started doing it at stonelands the one thing i have noticed is it isn't as easy as maybe a lot of those companies and products make it out to be there's actually uh, a lot of planning to do a lot of understanding uh different plants they're not all the same they don't all require the same conditions uh they don't all require the same sowing times for one thing and the other thing i've noticed is it actually takes up a lot more room in terms of growing space than i think many people understand yeah. um well, I, I think people think they can just uh do it on the windowsill and they're going to have a feast by the end of it. And I don't think that's entirely true. Well, no, I mean, you think the, the wall kitchen garden at East London Hall is two thirds of an acre. And I'm producing food for two people who are um, in their uh, 80s. They go out for quite a lot of lunches because uh, that's what they, not at the moment, but that's they, that's their usual lifestyle. That's what they like to do. Um, 
and I it's I actually they they get through a lot of stuff and those mm. that two thirds of an acre I I cram it full of things mm. and not not much goes to waste so I mean I know you know that is a uh, a mass one end of the spectrum which which not many people have um the the privilege to have but even if you have an allotment site i mean i i when i first worked at wisley i had an allotment where i i lived in guildford um and at the top of the uh the hill there on this flinty chalky soil i had an allotment plot and i thought oh i'll cultivate maybe half the size of the plot and you know, there's no way on earth it, it allowed me to be self-sufficient in in veg in that time. It's um, it does take a lot of space. I think grow your own is is a fantastic way of, um, for example, growing, and we and I we we used to talk about this when I was in on the magazine. We talk about growing organically. You know, growing um, the freshness of your produce. You know, the the, the vitamin levels and the flavour and the taste, the diversity of the produce that you can get. You know, the varieties that seed merchants sell are so diverse compared to what you get at the supermarket. Your um, food miles and, like you say, food security. All those reasons for growing your own are fantastically solid good valid reasons for doing so um and i would love people to maybe have a go at growing their own this year who were maybe going to do it anyhow or, or as you say are maybe looking at it now with a fresh pair of eyes and and do it for all those reasons but possibly don't think that you are going to be able to fill the void that the supermarkets for example aren't able to, to to fill if if you can't get deliveries or if you can't get to the shops it's just not gonna it's not gonna happen it's gonna make you feel a lot better about yourself and improve your mental well-being and your your health growing your own food is incredibly satisfying but um yeah that's that's all we want to do i think just don't disappoint i think another another point about grow your own is um and this is a double-edged sword in some ways, it engages you back with the seasonality of uh, the way we grow things. Um, gr uh, growing your own um, vegetable plots, allotment, tearing is all about working with seasonality, i.e. there are certain seasons where certain things are ready. Uh, there's definitely in the UK uh, a skew towards the sort of mid to late summer, early autumn, where most things are ready, although there are some thing outliers, for example, rhubarb and asparagus are, are just about to have their season. Um, one of the problems with a society as it is today is we're so used to just going down the shops and being able to grab any vegetable at any time of year that I think you, you if you're starting grow your own for the first time um, really you have to take that out of your mind uh, you you will not be able to get everything at any time I, I think that the great example is apples people think you can get apples any time of year but actually they literally only come for uh, one maybe two months a year and unless you learn to store them or you learn to, to preserve them um, you're not going to have them all year round. Uh, and it's the same, actually, it is the same for most veg. There are certain uh, veggies, most of the leafy salad type veg, which you can get some kind of uh, variety that will grow happily all year round. But you're definitely not going to be able to get things like squashes, um, French beans, for example, sweet corn, all those kind of things that need that hot summer to ripen up uh, before you can get them. And and then that leads on to the other thing is that you are going to get what we call gluts in that you're going to get lots of one type of veg at certain times of the year. And actually that leads you on to not just thinking about how I'm going to grow these things, but 
what am I actually going to use this stuff for? How am I going to preserve it um, if I want to? Um, so Grow Your Own isn't just sowing seeds and having that veg right at the end. It actually encapsulates a whole world of uh, food growing, food production, food use. It's great for... Um, teaching people about uh, the natural world I think in some ways because that's how nature works it doesn't it uh, you know if we if flowers like say a snowdrop just existed all year round they wouldn't have that uh, je ne sais quoi that 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 yeah. mythical status that edge the fact they only come at one time of year is why people love this stuff um, you know flowers and things and it should be really the same with fruit and veg classic example for me is blood oranges from um, southern Spain they only come in for three weeks of the year and every year I look forward to blood orange season and unfortunately this year it's right now and I can't get hold of any blood oranges <laughs> I can see the pain on your face as you say that i was saying to my friend the other day i said what are the chances of this pandemic coming along in the hungry gap which is the time from march to may when there's really not an awful lot being produced in established fruit and veg gardens let alone ones that are being started up this week i mean we've mentioned um early on you mentioned rhubarb and asparagus which if you have an established vegetable garden and established plants that are mature enough to be cropped then great. Our asparagus at the hall and mine in my own garden and the rhubarb in both places is coming through. And I am actually lucky enough to be able to harvest those now. But they've been in the ground. Asparagus has been in the ground for four years before I could cut it because I raised it from seed. Mm. The rhubarb's been in the ground for, again, two, three years. So if you're trying to think now as a new grow your owner, wow, I can grow rhubarb. You know, look, you're looking at the seasonal charts, maybe looking online or in a reference book, and you think, oh, yeah, great, I can grow some, some of that now. That's wonderful. You, uh, you can't. Uh, you, you, you have to let these perennial crops build up in stature and, and uh, maturity before you can harvest them. Otherwise, they get exhausted, and you, you can't look at it that way. Although I, I do want to, you know, I don't want to be negative about it at all. I just want people to be real about what they're doing. So let's give people some timescales for what they can realistically expect from if they're starting now, looking at growing your own, what crops can they produce and what are the timescales? So I'll lead in with a few and maybe you could add some that I miss out if I, if I forget any. So for example, if you can get plants, if you can get plants, and this is a big if because their stocks are being exhausted, if you can buy things such as lettuces or other salad leaves, uh, mizuna, komatsuna, mustards, all those sorts of things. If you can buy plug plants of those, put them in your garden, you could get some leafy harvests off those in maybe a couple of weeks. If you were sowing seeds of those salad plants, you would need to look, unless uh, there's, if you wanted to try and get a decent volume of harvest, you're looking at maybe four to six weeks minimum there's a process called cut and come again which you can where you can sow a big thick array of salad leaves um, allow them to germinate uh, grow to small seedling stage and then cut them with scissors but you leave the growing point intact now that you could get as I say harvest in maybe you say four weeks or so to get a lettuce from the seed packet to maturity as a full-size lettuce that's going to take you a good oh 10 weeks and that's with warmth on your side, you know, 10, 12 weeks, something like that. So salads are great for speed, 
But as I say, you've got to um, be realistic. You can grow micro leaves, for example, but they aren't going to—they're not going to fill you up. They're going to be a garnish. They will—they um, will be germinating and, and ready for harvest in maybe a week. But they're just a little tiny sprig of something on the plate. They're not going to p- provide you with food. They will make you feel so uplifted that something's actually happening and you produce some food which is a lovely thing to do um so potatoes that i put in my first early potatoes now in middle of march early april uh you're looking at june before you can be harvesting those um so if you buy for example things like a chili pepper or a sweet pepper they're not going to be cropping till maybe july going into august tomatoes if you sow tomatoes now um they would be brilliant for an outdoor crop you, if you want one to crop really quickly, then choose one of these dwarf types. Like um, you can get ones that uh, stand on a, on their own, like totem, or you can get a cascading type called like garden pearl or lozato. One of those those types that's like a hanging basket tumbly type. They will come into cropping a lot more rapidly than say the the, the old school cordons. Um, if you raise them from seed, because they're dwarf, so they will come into cropping sooner. But again, you won't be picking ripe fruits from those if you sow them now until going into uh, July at the very, very earliest. Um, so, so you you had some others there as well. Well, I was just thinking um, broad beans is a classic and, and you can actually germinate those quite quickly. I've got one called Robin Hood, which germinated in within half a week. Um, I was also thinking peas. Peas are always a great one. They can be um, a, a dual crop, actually, because you can take pea shoots and use them like you would do a salad crop and then get the peas later. Um, I would probably use uh, get a Monge 2 type or, or a sugar snap. They're just much easier to harvest and use than to splitting peas. If you like splitting peas and getting uh, single peas, then that's great. But I, I'm a bit lazy, so I'll, I'll, I use Monge 2s in my Thai green curries and things. Yeah, and then you need to sow an awful lot of the, those sorts of peas, the shelling peas, to get a decent yeah, harvest. Like to you get say, a Monge decent two. crop. Eat the mm. whole pod. If you're going to grow a pea, eat something where you can you can get the whole pod, a bit more volume in, in the system. So, Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was actually trying to think of things to avoid if you're, if you're new, uh, grow your own. Um, I would probably avoid most of the brassicas because they actually take a, a, a long time to mature. Some of them are actually quite tricky. For example, I did try cauliflowers last year. It was an awful cauliflower uh, year last year. They all bolted. And also you do tend to get a lot of problems with the caterpillars, slugs, pigeons they tend to attract every pest imaginable and i think if you're just starting out in grow your own where you haven't really learned from experience those kind of things though the, the brassicas can be quite hard but I, I probably would recommend something like black kale one of the kales is quite nice i think they're really good for the kids as well kids seem to like black kale because it's black and knobbly i think it's quite an unusual veg it also makes really good crisps in the oven um, I'm just trying to think. Um, what about something or, like a runner bean and a French bean? I mean, they they uh, French. Again... I absolutely love climbing French beans. Mm. I think I think um, I think they're really great, and, and you can really get heavy croppers as well. So you can actually get quite a lot out of them. If you wanted the sowing quickly, then the dwarf variety of French bean would would come into cropping more quickly because it hasn't got to grow so much as mm. the climbers. So. If you want speed, then go for dwarf. But if you want longevity, we grow one at the hall called Cobra. Oh my goodness, it crops its socks off. So maybe maybe try and sow both. Baby carrots, things like Amsterdam forcing, will um, if you sow it now. Again, it's going to take quite some time. We're talking probably a good. 12 weeks, I would say, before you're going to get a pulling. Radishes are very quick. Radishes could 
give you a pudding within five weeks. If you like radishes. If you like baby turnips are maybe worth a go. Baby beets, maybe six, seven, eight weeks from mm. sowing to harvest in warm weather. This is all dependent on the weather being good. Um, so use clutches, use your greenhouse, use windowsills, use your conservatory, use your spare bedroom if your other half allows you to do so to try and get things moving quickly. Um, and yeah, we, we're saying, you know, please do grow your own stuff, but just... Don't expect it to solve all your problems in one go. It will make you feel loads better and it will provide you with homegrown food, but there is going to be a little bit of a time lag. Absolutely. And I think the old adage that you actually learn more from your mistakes than you learn from your successes is is definitely one that applies to the grow your own vegetable growing movement. I've learned more from my mistakes over seven years. So if things do go wrong, learn from them. Don't be disheartened try again and i know this year lots of people are going to be trying for the first time take it on try again next year and, and just try different methods and you know there's so many great resources online magazines there's a great book out he got it by a certain <laughs> uh, lucy chamberlain she was she was she was holding it up to the video camera for me to see well i might have um <laughs> But absolutely, you know, if if it's your first time, please don't be discouraged by things that might go wrong because even for hardy professionals like myself, every year something doesn't work. So give it a keep keep it up, give it another go. Yeah, absolutely, and have fun. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture. They have been drastically affected and we hope that life will return and like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.